0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
2: Welcome to this Tuesday episode of Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry here with you for the next two and a half hours. We're going to cover a lot of ground. We're going to be speaking first off uh, about... The process to confirm Amy Coney Barrett to the United States Supreme Court. In just a moment, we will be speaking with Utah Senator Mike Lee, who is just about an hour away from sitting down uh, with Judge Barrett. Uh, and later on in the program, uh, after that conversation, we're going to take a deep look at what is coming up in Cleveland, Ohio tonight, the first of a series of three presidential debates. We're going to look at it from all angles, open the phone lines, let you weigh in. Uh, what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to? Uh, what do you hope happens? And what do you hope doesn't happen? We'll get to that uh, later on. But again, first, uh, we're starting today's conversation uh, about Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett. Joining me is Senator Mike Lee. Senator, how are you, sir? Doing great. Thanks so much, Lee. No, thanks for making the time for us. Uh, Let's get right to it. Is there really anything left to learn uh, for you about Judge Barrett or is today's meeting merely a formality? Oh, it's
3: certainly not a formality. I'm a member of the committee uh, that will be reviewing her. I want to get to know her a little bit more. Of course, uh, I've gotten to know her in the past. Um, we confirmed her about three years ago to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit. I'm um, uh, uh, reading everything I can find that she's written so far and um, uh, look forward to getting to know her a little bit more through this process. Today's meeting will be the first step in that. Well,
2: What sort of questions will you have for the judge?
3: You know, I I want to ask her about a variety of questions, including uh, anything that can shed light on her judicial philosophy and how she will approach difficult questions in the law and about the Constitution. I like asking hypothetical questions just to find out how a jurist would go about deciding a particular case. I'm also sure that I'll be talking to her just about the committee process. Generally, I believe I'll be one of the first members of the Senate to meet with her and want to make sure that she knows what to expect, uh, what it, what it's like uh, uh, as a nominee moves through the process, As this time as a Supreme Court nominee.
2: Do you have any of those hypotheticals prepared you could share with us? Okay,
3: so uh, one of the things
2: that I like to
3: ask nominees to judicial office, whether Supreme Court or, or otherwise, I like to ask them what's worse refusing to grant a dispositive motion that's meritorious or granting a, non-dispositive, uh, a non-meritorious dispositive motion, um, I, I, I'd like to figure out how they are going to analyze it. i like to know whether they think it's worse to decline to invalidate an unconstitutional law or to invalidate as unconstitutional a law that is, in fact, not unconstitutional. This is not one of these things where you can answer it quickly or in one word. There's not necessarily a right or a wrong answer, but I'd like to hear how they go about analyzing the answer.
2: Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, Democrats are questioning the legitimacy of this nomination, and some are going as far as refusing to even meet with Judge Barrett. What do you think about that, and how far can they actually take this?
3: Well, they don't have to meet with her if they don't want to. They don't have to show up to the hearings if they don't want to. They don't have to show up the day the vote is cast if they don't want to. That really is entirely up to them. I would think that as members of the committee, as members of the Senate, they'd want to be part of the process. Um, if they choose not to, that's their decision. Uh, there's, <clears throat> By the way, there's nothing in the Constitution that requires us to hold hearings. Um, we do it anyway, just in order to be thorough in doing our job to make sure that we have a full set of information Uh, uh, before we cast a vote on a nominee. Historically, it wasn't always the case. In fact, we've had far more of our history pass without holding judicial confirmation hearings than with. It's a relatively recent innovation that's become increasingly uh, common uh, over the last century. But uh, there's no requirement that we do it. There's no requirement that they show up if they don't want to.
2: There was a, an argument early uh, last week, I, I believe it was when you know there was still the question of whether or not you know the president should nominate and whether or not your body, the United States Senate, should offer its advice uh, and consent, and one of the arguments brought to bear in favor of moving forward with the process is that if uh, this year's election, presidential election, should end up in the Supreme Court. We need to have a, a full deck. Now, there are those that are calling on Judge Barrett, should she be confirmed, that she should recuse herself. Uh, From any Supreme Court case that could uh, impact the election. Uh, What do you think about that? I just got word that uh, that Senator Cruz believes uh, it uh, would be inappropriate for any justice to recuse themselves because uh, justices are not political agents and uh, whatever political president happened to nominate them uh, or whatever the Senate uh, happened to confirm them. Would recusal in this instance be appropriate?
1: If
3: the argument is that simply because of the fact that the president who appointed her uh, to the court would be involved in this litigation, that that should trigger the recusal, I think the answer is certainly no. She shouldn't recuse on that basis. That same argument would, by the way, also trigger the recusal of Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Gorsuch. Once she's confirmed to the court, assuming she is confirmed, she'll be no less a justice than any other member of the court. So if there's something specific to her case or to the case uh, that comes before that triggers a recusal, she'll go through that analysis. That's a decision that has to be made by the individual justice as the case arises. I certainly don't see any legitimacy behind the argument that she should categorically in advance recuse herself from a wide variety of cases simply because they might involve the president appointing her. Right.
2: Uh, Last question I have for you has to do with a piece of legislation being introduced in the House. And I know that's a different body, but... Uh, the the consequences of this legislation should it go through, and the odds are, are certainly against that uh, eventuality. But uh, the Democrats in the House introducing a bill that would, number one, limit the term of a Supreme Court justice to 18 years, also limit the power of the president to, uh, to just two nominations per term. And lastly, and this is where the Senate comes in, it would also seem to wrestle power away from the Senate by putting a 100-day clock on action. And should the Senate fail to act uh, within 120 days, that inaction would be taken then as consent. Now, like I said, I can't imagine a scenario where the Senate would ever support a move like this, nor can I imagine uh, any president signing a measure that would limit their own ability to nominate. But the question of term limits is one that has historically enjoyed uh, varied support. What do you say about uh, Supreme Court term limits?
3: I'm not a fan. One of the advantages to our uh, system of government that creates these three coordinate branches of government is that you have two political branches, meaning they're, they're occupied, they're run by people who are elected for a finite number of years um, and then uh, you know, face re-election at the end of each term. Uh, but with the judiciary, one of the key features of it is that n- not only are they not political, uh, they, that is beyond the initial process of being put in place by a combination of the two political branches. But they they also have indefinite duration uh, during good behavior. As long as there's good behavior, uh, you, you can't remove uh, the the jurist, and I think we develop a lot of expertise for that now, i don't I don't agree with every decision made by a, a jurist who's been in place for a long time, but I think overall, the benefits associated with that system far outweigh the disadvantages.
2: I'm uh Final question for you. I know I said that I had one more, but uh, tonight's debate, wh- where will you be watching, sir? Uh,
3: I'm going to be watching it uh, at uh, the home of some friends who live in Virginia, and I look forward to um, watching the debate. It's going to be exciting. You know, Joe Biden has historically been a really aggressive, really sharp debater. Uh, th- there have been a lot of people questioning whether he'll bring his A-game tonight, whether he's still got his A-game. Yeah. Uh, we, we know President Trump is an aggressive and fierce debater. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how these two match up against each other. I'm looking forward to it a lot. Uh,
2: as am I. Thank you for your time, sir. Uh, best of luck in this meeting you have about an hour from now sitting down with Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett, our guest, Utah Senator Mike Lee. Thanks again for your time, Senator.
3: Thank you, Lee. Take Alrighty.
2: care. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here. When we return, we're going to continue our look at Supreme Court nominee uh, Judge Barrett and specifically the question of religion. Uh, We touched on this yesterday, but I want to share with you an exchange that took place a a number of years ago between uh, Judge Barrett and Senator Feinstein. Uh, It was in a uh, Senate hearing. uh, The stakes were very high and religion was center stage. Is that appropriate or not? We'll debate that next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. Uh, religion is a topic that you and I discuss quite frequently. And uh, certainly here in the state, with a, a, a predominant religion such as it is here uh, in Utah, we are always mindful of where religion intersects with almost all walks of life. And some of that intersection is very appropriate. And some of it is not appropriate at all, especially uh, when the Constitution of the United States is very clear that to serve in public office, uh, that there is no religious test. And yet we are right now wondering how the newly nominated Amy Coney Barrett will be treated uh, due to her Catholic faith and some peculiarities uh, there. I have stated over and over the past number of days, ever since it was announced that she was even a contender, that questions of her faith and how it may inform her decision-making were wholly inappropriate, especially... Especially uh, due to her long background uh, in the courts. She has served for uh, a few years now as a member of the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. In fact, uh, it was during that Senate Judiciary Committee hearing in 2017 uh, that this first became an issue that we were tracking uh, with regards to Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, not the issue of her faith, but rather how how she would be questioned and in some instances accused of inappropriately applying uh, her faith to her uh, courtroom decision making. Now what am I talking about? You have heard uh, over and over a reference made to then uh, well now and then Senator Feinstein California uh, Senator Diane Feinstein was uh, questioning, Amy Coney Barrett, uh, again, back in 2017, uh, on a question of law and dogma. I want to play uh, the question from the senator, uh, and then I want to zero in on a very specific portion of this questioning. And as you hear this audio, uh, ask yourself, is it appropriate? Is this something that, is this a question uh, that you ask yourself? Is Do you find it relevant, this type of questioning uh, to be applied to a potential member of the United Supreme, United States Supreme Court, the highest court in the land. So here uh, is Senator Feinstein in 2017 addressing Amy Coney Barrett during her confirmation hearing. Uh, Judge Barrett, then a professor, is referred to as such in this uh, audio clip here.
4: Why is it that um, so many of us on this side have this very uncomfortable feeling that you know dogma and law are two different things, and I think whatever a religion is, it has its own dogma. The law is totally different. and I think in in your case, uh, Professor. When you read your speeches, um, the conclusion one draws is that the dogma lives loudly within you. And that's of concern when you come to big issues that large numbers of people have fought for for years in this country. And uh, I listened carefully to what Senator Whitehouse said because um, he spent a lot of time on this whole issue of dark money moving out and controlling and the president's litmus test. And um, I assume if both of you were on the lists that you would be a no vote on Roe. And that puts a number of us just very honestly, in layman's language, is in a very difficult position. So I want you to understand that.
2: So interestingly, uh, the, the first response uh, to this line of questioning from Diane Feinstein, again, this is 2017. Uh, this is a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing, uh, and it was evaluating uh, not just Not just Judge Amy Coney Barrett, but also uh, another individual uh, named Joan Louise Larson who was being questioned for the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. And in response to Senator Feinstein's question that you just heard, here is uh, what Ms. Larson had to say. And in a moment, I'll I'll play for you uh, Judge Barrett's response, which is relevant today.
0: My comment would be um, that as a justice of the Michigan Supreme Court, and also if I am fortunate to be confirmed to the Sixth Circuit... I would—I don't—there's The the, the there's no opportunity for me to be a no-vote on Roe, and I would not be. I would be bound by the precedents of the Supreme Court of the United States.
2: Okay. Now, I play that for you because in a moment here, you will hear in a very brief clip— Uh, in a very brief response from Amy Coney Barrett, her response to Senator Feinstein. And as you remember, uh, what Senator Feinstein just said, uh, what she said in 2017 at the Senate Judiciary Committee was that in Judge Barrett's speeches, she observed the presence of certain dogmas that caused her a certain measure of concern and then questioned uh, the appropriateness of uh, that type of language being used. Now, That is kind of uh, a trick question because uh, Senator Feinstein there is not asking about, uh, she's not asking about Amy Coney Barrett's like judicial background, but rather is. Asking about what she has said in, say, like private speeches, you you know, someone of that caliber, someone of that legal caliber. They're often invited to speak uh, at different colleges and universities and events. Uh, You can think of certain commencement uh, proceedings, which have included speeches from people just like this. And on occasion, as observed by Senator Feinstein, uh, Amy Coney Barrett would, in those settings, uh, speak about her faith. And that was, for one reason or another, uh, of concern to Senator Feinstein. So here, very quickly and concisely, is Judge Amy Coney Barrett's uh, response uh, to that claim against her.
0: I agree with Justice Larson. Um, I'm being considered for a position on a court of appeals, and there would be no opportunity to be a no vote on Roe. And as I said to the committee, well, I would faithfully apply all Supreme Court precedent.
2: She would faithfully apply all Supreme Court precedent. Now, they're speaking there specifically about Roe v. Wade, but the the what she is saying is much larger than that one case. Uh, she there concludes that her decisions would be based on Supreme Court precedent. Uh, what's the alternative? Well, it's the dogma that Senator Feinstein mentioned. Amy Coney Barrett has made it clear, and I believe that it is clearly reflected in her in her judicial record, uh, that her decisions are based on the text of the Constitution, on precedent, and not on her dogma. And if that weren't true, if that weren't true, then she wouldn't be where she is right now. Not just as a nominee to the Supreme Court, uh, but also serving for the past few years as a member of the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. If there was true concern, if there was anything inappropriate about the methods used to arrive at various decisions, decisions that, as you well know, decisions at this level, at the Court of Appeals, those have dramatic, dramatic consequences. Okay, And if there was any, a sliver of concern that wasn't political, as I believe was the case in Senator Feinstein's questioning, if there was a single sliver of a chance uh, that she would be acting inappropriately uh, based on whatever belief, you know, it doesn't have to be a religious belief, but whatever belief, she, of course, would not have ultimately received as advice and consent uh, and approval from the United States Senate. All right. It's just mind boggling. And so as we go forward, uh, keep your eyes open for this. Keep your eyes open for attacks of this nature. Yesterday, uh, I did a little bit of tactical speculating, and I hope, I hope that I'm right. And that speculation was this, that as this process moves forward, that tactically uh, Democrats will opt not to uh, attack or sink their teeth into or pay uh, undue and prolonged attention to the faith of this Supreme Court nominee, uh, but rather focus on uh, her merits. OK, you there. there is no winning there is no winning if you decide to latch on to religion here, right? This isn't uh, an issue, uh, you know that that is being put to the voters. This isn't an issue that really warrants much debate. Okay, uh, this is been asked and answered. To put it in legalese, right? In 2017, there was a committee hearing. The Senate uh, saw her, and the, the the question was appropriately applied then, or rather, is just as irrelevant then, uh, as it is today. The Senate approved her then, uh, and I very much predict the Senate will do so again. And anyone uh, who tries to distract from that in the name of religion is off-base, inappropriate, and trying to score political points. Uh, Quick break. When we return, uh, we'll be speaking with Doug Wright. Doug Wright, my old boss. We're going to talk about presidential debates and the one coming up tonight. That's ahead on Live Mike here on KSL News Radio.